I'm Scott Dworkin, and you're listening to The Dworkin Report. Today's guest is Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn. Harry Dunn is an insurrection stopper. Officer Dunn will be one of the first officers called to testify in front of the House Select Committee investigating January 6th insurrection against Congress. And last night, the most watched right-wing extremist Fox News opinion host mercilessly attacked him for having personal political views. We were planning on releasing this entire gripping one-hour interview on Sunday night. But because Officer Dunn doesn't have a massive platform to promote his views, we felt it was urgent to release the first part right away and let the public decide for themselves who he really is. Because I know he's a patriot. And I know he's a hero. And that's what I learned from him relaying his firsthand account to me of what it was like repelling a neo-Nazi invasion of the United States Capitol while the votes for president were being counted. Our country is so fortunate that regular cops like Officer Dunn could do something so patriotic and heroic on what had been for the previous 220 years, just another boring day on the job, while America's peaceful transition of power took place unbroken until seven months and 16 days ago. Please take a listen. I'm here with Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn. Officer Dunn, thanks for taking the time today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, man. How are you doing? You know, it's a little hot in D.C. Uh, a little? A little? It's, <laughs> it's a, only it's 100 or so heat, heat index today. You know, very interesting. Uh, I, I like to go uh, out of the house in the mornings and night, not in between. Yeah. Sweltering right now. Um, you, you, do you grow up in the area or where are you from? I'm local. I'm a uh, grew up in Prince George's County, Clinton, Maryland, to be exact. Uh, born and raised in this area. So DMV uh, native, I guess is what they say. Oh, right. So you've been here. Okay. So you've been here for a while and you graduated from James Madison university. James, Dukes, go Dukes, man. Yeah. And you uh, played ball there. Played football there. Um, I was on the national championship team in 2004. Uh, Man, it's 2004. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 17 years ago. <laughs> I feel old here. Yeah, 2004. Uh, I was a junior. 2005 is when I graduated. Um, I worked on my master's degree. I'm actually like six credits away from my master's degree in public health. Uh, but I, uh, we'll see. We'll see where my next my next career takes me later in life. And you played some... Played some pro ball too in the CFL, right? I had the opportunity to play for the Montreal Alouettes. Um, got called up for camp. Uh, suffered an injury, um, a shoulder injury, and that kind of like was my demise and my downfall. And you know, <laughs> coaches always had this saying: "You can't make the club in the tub." <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm doing. A, uh, yeah, that that was a that that was a big. Uh, help character builder and character definer of who I am playing college football. Um, some of my closest friends to this day uh, are guys that I play college football with. So. And so how did, how did maybe James Madison and also being from PG County, how did that kind of shape your worldview as of now? Well, shit, man, you think about it, like Prince George's County is urban as hell, you know, it's urban black area and, you know, graduated high school dozen white people in my graduating class, you know, it wasn't a lot. But I mean, then I go to my, uh, I remember one of my health science classes, it was like one of my nutrition classes or 
we're talking about um, disparities amongst races and uh, with health issues and stuff like that. And somebody say, you know, black people suffer from uh, African-Americans suffer for X amount percentage uh, heart disease than uh, than white people. And then they, people, there's like a class of like 100 so people and they struggle to say, does anybody have any ideas why? And like the whole damn class turned around and looked at the only black person in the class. <laughs> and I'm like, well, shit, I don't know. My, my heart worked good, man. I remember that. And I was like, well, I went from being the majority to the minority. And that kind of went like, that's kind of like how society is now, man. You know, it's you, you learn how to be around black people and white people. It's You don't see color. You just, you know, try to judge people by the content of their character, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that, I, I mean, I know as well as a privileged, overprivileged white dude would know. Um, <laughs> media, I call it overprivileged, mediocre white guy syndrome uh, with me. Um, you know, we've, we've had our chance <laughs> to... You can admit it. A lot of people don't get it, man. A lot of people don't acknowledge it. And you call privilege, I mean, it's called a spade a spade, right? It is. Some things are, they are what they are. Don't try to, you know... It's not your fault. I've learned over the years. I didn't. I didn't realize that. Uh, I guess it was in college where I started to learn more. What What made you choose to become a law enforcement officer? In <laughs> it sounds place? so cheesy, man. I tell you, like you know, when you're young, you're a kid, man. You uh, you dress up as a for Halloween. You know, I want to be a policeman. I want to be a firefighter. You know, and like I, I said that when I was younger, and so um, and always like helping people. Um, I genuinely like helping people um, in any kind of capacity. And um, I got a little bit of type A personality and um, I'm six seven three fifty, So I kind of, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I, I, I just, I enjoy helping people. And uh, I, I realized that uh, as a police officer, you're a public servant. Um, you're there to serve and there to help. And um, like that, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that. Why so, do you choose to work with the, the Capitol Police? Is in like, you know, why why specifically Capitol Police? Man, they pay really well. Right? That's good. <laughs> no, I mean, I went, to, uh, I went to this career fair and I was like, wait, y'all make how much? All right, yeah, sign me up. Like, I mean, I applied to other agencies, but I was like, all right, cool. And, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm being silly, but that definitely has something to do with it. But um. <sighs> It's the capital, you know, it's the capital. And as as I learned more and more about it, as I'm clearly getting considered for this job, I wanted to learn a little bit more about it, too. And um, being being here in D.C., you, you take things for granted. It's, I'm privileged to see the capital every day, you know, like it's not rare. I, don't, I, I would drive past it and not even look. Now I see working there, everybody that drives past it stops the car and takes pictures. I'm like, yo, go. So that I see it every day, you know? So, um, I, and then you learn that slaves built that building, man. Like they built that building and it, it just kind of makes a sense of pride. Like comes full circle. Like, you know, the slaves built it and now it, I'm responsible for protecting it. You know, I'm responsible for protecting their work. And that's kind of like an honor, an honor and a privilege. So that's that's pretty dope to me. How long have you been with the Capitol Police? I'll uh, I'll start year 14 in November. 
That's a, that's yeah. quite a long time. You've seen you've seen a lot over those years. A lot of things. I've seen a lot of congressmen and senators and men and women come and go. <laughs> I feel like I've been longer. I've been there longer than a lot of them. <laughs> right, right. No, it, it, yeah. as it, uh, you know, and things have uh, they may have changed a bit uh, recently or, or whatnot. But like, how are you feeling? Just as you know, overall, right now about. Um, you know, you're, you're in this building, uh, and you're protecting people on every side of the aisle. You know, you, you never question about, you know, what the political allegiances, you don't care about that. You want to protect these people. Um, so, so like, what is it, what is it like, you know, on an average daily basis now? I guess when you're in, when you're out there and that's why I feel like I'm able to do this job, like regardless of how I feel, um, politically because you know when you're out there doing that job you don't think about anything except for doing your job effectively um i'll I'll see congressmen who've made statements about january 6th that i disagree with that in that moment when i see them i don't immediately oh yo you the one who think no i just like hey congressman good to see you and then like afterwards i'll be like wait a minute and then I, but my initial instinct is to do my job and make sure that they're, everybody's good. Um, I can have my political beliefs, you know, outside of doing my job, um, but it doesn't affect me doing my job any at all. Uh, like I said, I take pride in it and doing my job. Um, it's bigger than me, you know? Uh, and, uh, and that's pretty big. Uh, yeah. You know I mean, it's, it, it, there's a, uh, I wanted to go, I, you know, I've seen a lot of the interviews and it's the same kind of stuff that uh, you're getting asked and whatnot. Um, here's, it's more of a, you know, free flowing conversation, I guess. Um, but uh, I'm curious as to, uh, you know, obviously everyone's curious about January 6th and maybe uh, not everybody's heard uh, our listeners. May, maybe they haven't heard your story before, um, but I'm curious to get to the start of it. As in, like you, you know, you wake up and head to work. What time are you heading to work? Uh, what are you thinking that morning? Is it a normal day for you? Like, you know, are, are what what's happening? You know, you get to work. Um, what is that day leading up to it like? So you got to remember, during that time period, a lot of DC was locked down, or still under lockdown because of COVID. Um, it's, it's January six. It's freezing cold outside. It's you leave at, it's dark, you get home, it's dark. It's, you know, it's just a gloomy time of year, you know? It's freezing cold. It's, I remember driving to work at, coming down North Capitol Street about 6.15 or so, and it's 25 degrees outside, and it's a weird feeling. It's just weird because it's dark outside, and you got people walking up and down the street like it's, like it's noon with Trump flags and stuff walking down the street at six in the morning. I'm like, what the hell? This is weird. Like it's a, it was a gray day, you know, gray. It was January 5th was gray. It, was like, it wasn't really sunny or anything, but it was gray. Um, I remember that because there was a lot of people out that day and they were over at the Supreme court. Uh, a lot of uh, people were over at the Supreme court the day before. Um, we're monitoring them, but, Never had any ideas that January 6th was going to happen. Um, driving in for it, I got there about 6.45 or so, getting ready for work, changed out and for a 7 o'clock roll call. And um, 
you know, we, we, hey guys, look, let's just make it through the day. Today's going to be a long day. We might have a few arrests, um, but let's just get through the day, get home, get some rest, you know, just boom. So, I mean, you know, they, nobody expected, nobody, none of us expected, us meaning like rank and file, frontline supervisors and stuff like that, um, had any idea of what we were in store for. And um, during roll call, one of our sergeants said, hey, we're, uh, we're giving orders to send everybody over to our property division, the place that hands out our equipment and stuff, and um, get helmets. Like, all right, riot helmets. They're like, hey, we don't know where you're supposed to put them, keep them. They're gigantic. They don't fit in our lockers. So, like, all right. So, people are like, what do we do with these things, you know? Um, and just keep them with you. And we'll figure it out. So, all right. So, we've got our helmets and everything, and, you know, going about the day. And people are at the Capitol, and uh, you get it's just the sun's shining. It's very cold out, and but people are everywhere. Like, it's, the city's like electric. Like it just, it just had that vibe. It was weird. And I'm getting texts from my friends. Like, hey, be safe today. Be careful today. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Okay. Yeah, sure. Hey, hey, be careful. And then like around like 930, approximately, I, I had to look back at my phone records. One of my friends texted me a screenshot and I guess it was like a screen grab from like Parlor or something like that that she saw floating around on like Instagram. And it was like, hey, we're storming the Capitol today. Everybody be ready. And it had uh, um, bring your leave your guns outside the city. You're less likely to get spotted here. Um, the police are not our enemy, but if they get in the way and like, like what the? I was like, whatever, ain't nobody coming in here. Whatever. We, we good. She's like, OK, OK, just be careful. OK, no problem. And uh, the day's going on and more and more people are growing. The crowds are growing at the Capitol, uh, mainly on the east side of the Capitol. Um, they're out there singing uh, <laughs> patriotic songs, like proud to be an American. They're saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, it was just weird. Like it was like a it was like a third grade like music class where you're just sitting around like Everybody, nobody can sing. Everybody's off, off key. <laughs> it was just weird. Like they're, they're uh, in the land of the free. And it's weird because like people are, uh, people are saying like the wrong words and stuff. I'm like, these people are freaking nuts. Like what is wrong with these folks? They're nuts. Like, all right, come on, come on. Let's three o'clock. So I go home. My hours are seven to three. All right, let's come on. Let's get these guys out of here. Come on. And then the crowd just kept growing and growing and growing. And it's just weird. They would just randomly just break out in chants of USA. You like, no, it was no speakers. It was just people just standing there, just like waiting. And still not thinking, all right, whatever. You, you get what we, what, what somebody else would call crazy. Um, those type of people up at the Capitol all the time. And crazy is not a fair word to use. I don't, you know, but uh, not normal. Um, but everybody's normal is different nowadays. They got to be so damn sensitive with your words. Um, just stuff that's out of the ordinary. Let's go with that. Um, and, and I mean, you get people up there protesting circumcision, like it's infant circumcision, like save the foreskin. Like you, it's, I've seen everything up there. So yeah, it, nothing surprises me up there. Um, the crowds keep growing and growing and growing. Um, you're getting all these calls, uh, 
hey, protesters headed this way, protesters headed that way. And all day long, people are calling out groups of people headed to the Capitol. And then it started to get worrisome when um, the first pipe bomb was found over at the uh, the DNC. And uh, an officer called that out on the radio. And at that moment, I'm like, all right, yo, this is like, and what made it interesting is that he had a picture of it and he was able to send it. We didn't see it until afterwards, but um, the, the, the response was like, all right, this is a big deal. And you can tell by people's response on the radio that this is, this isn't a game, right? This is some serious ish right we're in right now. So you gain, you started to like the pucker factor happened a little bit. You know, everybody's like a little more focused now, like, all right, let me focus even harder on everybody now. Like I'm not paying attention. We're not having side conversations with our coworkers at work. Everybody's lasered in now. And then 10 minutes later, it forgive me if my timeline is all over the place, because that day seemed it was like the longest day ever, you know, and I, I con- time I had no con I had no concept of time that day. And um the second pipe bomb was found at the DNC. And I was like, oh shit, this is this is bad. This is really, really bad. And um as that's going on, I guess the speech ended or something, and people were headed eastbound from the White House or the Ellipse towards the Capitol. And uh, at this time, initially, I was on the east side of the Capitol watching the crowds. And then once you hear, I guess, when the first line got breached, um, I've seen the videos of it, so I'm able to play it in my head. Um, You hear officers screaming for help. They breached, they breached, they're approaching the stage, approaching the stage. I'm like, yo, this is bad. And me being that protector mentality, I got to help. And so I was like, I got to get over there. Um, I recognized voices, my friends on the radio that were calling for help. And it's it's a little more personal when your friends are the ones that are in need of help. Like, like, hey, I know that voice, but I don't know that person. But versus I know this person um, and you got to get over there to help them. So I was able to respond over there. And when I responded, what I saw, man, it was a sea, a sea of people. I mean, it. you couldn't see the streets. You couldn't see the side. You couldn't see the grass. It was just people. And if anybody's ever looked at the, the view from the Capitol down the mall, it's it's all grass. The, it's the mall. It's covered with people. They're everywhere. And I just said to myself, holy shit, yo, what, what is going on? Um, and the violence was, the violence wasn't initially, it didn't start that bad, I guess. Um, there was a lot of yelling going on and um, then flashbangs started going off MPD. Thank God for MPD, man. Big shout out to Metropolitan Police Department um, that we could not have been half as successful if it wasn't for them. Like, everybody gets caught up in Capitol Police. They are truly heroes too. Like it's not just Capitol Police and they, thank God for MPD. You know, they saved a lot of lives that day as well as Capitol Police. It was a joint effort and no one did more than the other. And like, it's not a, one of those contests like we taking the credit. No, nah, man, we 
everybody deserves equal credit, equal recognition, because they were down there on that front line with Capitol Police getting their ass whooped, just like we were. And um, there were flash grenades going off, smoke bombs. These guys were so prepared for a fight, man, that they had oven mitts. So when MPD would launch these smoke canisters out, when they come out, they're white hot. I mean, like they're glowing orange, like, so they would, you can't touch them. They had oven mitts, the little rubber, like anti-burn ones or whatever. And they were throwing them back at us. And we were getting like, and everybody out there didn't have gas masks. So we're getting like obliterated and we're dropping like flies because I mean, we're, we're not Superman, you know, we, yeah, we're tough, but you know, it's, it was insane. And, uh, I'm very fortunate that uh, my my physical injuries were healed with a Tylenol, a shot of bourbon, and a cold shower that night. You know, um, you were were you assaulted on the, the uh, little scrapes and like pushes and cuts from pushing and a couple punches and but hyperextending my elbow by punch, throwing a punch like it. Nothing, nothing that would ever. Call, I wouldn't even miss a day of work like because of that. You know. Um, so I'm thankful. I'm thankful that, but, uh, so many of my coworkers were not, they got the hell beat out of them. Um, and, uh, it's a lot, man. Like I'm just sitting here thinking about it. I'm just like getting not emotional, but I guess it is emotional cause I'm getting angry and I'm, you know, it's, you get angry about that type of stuff. Like I wish I would have hit him a little harder. You know, I wish I could have knocked one more guy out, you know, like, especially in, in the aftermath of everything that's coming from it. When you, you got people saying that it wasn't bad and freaking Megan Kelly got the nerve to say that the media overhyped it and like, what? The media overhyped it? I, I, it was a horrible, it was the worst day of my police career, you know, I would venture to save my life. Um, it was the worst day ever. Like you've said before, the riders at the Capitol looked like uh, quote unquote possessed zombies. So why do you- so specifically what made me make that comment is, um, while I didn't, uh, suffer much physical trauma, um, the mental anguish and I was pelted with racial slurs um, called the N word. Uh, and I, I, I knew that I wasn't going to, they weren't going to, they weren't following commands. It was like, why didn't you tell them to leave? You think that wasn't the first thing we did? Like, come on, man. We, we get out. What are y'all doing here? So now you try to reason. Like, what else am I supposed to do? There's no playbook for dealing with an insurrection. Like I, I, We've got a lot of training, but I've never been trained on an insurrection. Like who has across the country? Like who, who really has? Um, I didn't even know that word existed <laughs> until afterwards, you know, like, so I try reasoning. You try reasoning with people like, all right, I'm exhausted. I can't, this fight goes on for hours. It's hours and hours and hours. And there's no relief. Like you can't like, all right, guys, let me take five. I'll be right back. You know? You got to go to the bathroom. You got to hold it. You don't have time for a bathroom break. You just suck it up. 
I'm like, all right, let's reason with these guys. So you start talking to these people and they're saying that uh, Trump invited us here. This is our people's house. This is our house. You know, we belong here. We're here to see the president. Trump told us to come here. Where's Nancy Pelosi? All this stuff. And you're trying to reason with him. And I was like, listen, man, y'all are fucking us up. Y'all are fucking us up, man. There are in- dozens and dozens of injured cops, man. And they were like, wait a minute, what? What? Like they're injured cops. Like, And that's why I was like, wow, they're going to have a change of heart. Okay, they're feeling bad about injuring us. Maybe they can, all right, they're going to stop. And then like, they were like, fuck, man. Well, you know what? Like, and then they snapped out of it. Like, sorry, man. Sorry, we we're 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 here for you all. We're saving the country. We're stopping the steal. Like, so that's what the possessed zombies is like. You try to talk to them, and they snapped right out of it, and they just went back to their insurrection act, like whatever. So, be sure to subscribe to our podcast at Anchor.fm/slash Dworkin Report. Thanks again to Officer Harry Dunn for taking the time. You can follow him online at Libra Dunn. Thanks again to our producer, Grant Stern. You can follow him at Grant Stern. You visit our website at DworkinReport.com. And please support these Capitol Police officers, D.C. police officers, and anyone else who is defending the Capitol that day. Thanks again for listening.